0: Welcome back to all the listeners of the CFC 365 podcast. Thank you for the support on the first episode. It went down really well. I'm glad we received such positive feedback in that episode. In today's episode, we're going to be joined by former Chelsea player, Paul Carniville, and as he likes to be known, Paul's right-hand man, Gary Trailsdale. We have a lot of topics to get through, so let's get started with introducing our guests. Paul, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Really excited to have you on. How are you doing? Not
1: too bad, thank you. Um, yeah, it's not bad the end of the week. Obviously, everybody looks forward to that. But yes, looking at Resort yesterday, don't get me wrong. 1-0 stands good for us. It's the end of the season as long as we're qualifying for the Champions League for next season. And that's about, that's about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, bit of a frustrating game last night in terms of hoping we would get the win, but it's all good. We're going to finish third this season, so... Yeah, not too bad. And and Gary, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on the episode today. Um, I'm looking forward to your input into the topics as well. I'm sure, you'll be very good.
2: Yeah, good. Uh, thanks for having us on. And um, yeah, like 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 Paul to echo those sentiments. I think all of us are. Uh, we're all looking forward to the <laughs> the end. It's been a tough, been a very very strange season, hasn't it? Really, I'm not too sure that many football clubs get sanctioned. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's never happened in history, has it? That was the first. So, um, yeah, we, 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 we've qualified for Europe. We're, we're going to finish the season uh, world club champions. So um, I guess we'll take that and just uh, look forward to getting uh, Sunday out of the way.
0: Yeah, exactly. Echo that as well. Um, so I think the first topic I want to go on to uh, to start off the episode was obviously Paul and you met various consortium members over the last few weeks um even last couple of months i think right because the whole sale process has has gone on a while now and it's still not fully completed but i wanted to throw this to you gary first and then paul you can intervene and, and input if you want so the first question is discussing the meetings you had with the various consortium members first off explain how many you met who you met what impressed you the most um about each individual what didn't you like and i guess to end off the question um what what's the most impressive thing about Todd Bowley's group that stood out from the others?
2: Um, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, firstly, um, I, myself and Paul were actually due to meet um, the day that um, he, he got a call from uh, from Bruce Buck uh, asking him to come in and meet Tom Ricketts because, um, and you'll know the history of this, of course, um, the Chelsea Supporters Trust had, um, had had put out on social media there their thoughts about the, the, the Ricketts family um, and some of the things that um, several members of the family had said um, previously. And, uh, and then Paul, Paul tweeted his, you know, his support for the trust and, and used the hashtag no, no to Ricketts. Um, you know, Interesting enough, they, they'd actually seen that tweet. I think it did get around 10, 15,000 likes. So it got, it got quite a lot of traction. Um, but they requested a meeting with Paul because of Paul's significance to the club and they'd done their homework and they, they knew who he was. And, uh, mm-hmm. so they, they were clearly very, very serious about, you know, putting the bid together. And, um, they'd met with, uh, they'd, they'd met with, with, with Roman Abramovich two or three years ago, um, as the Todd uh, when he was looking at, um, at, at first, you know, first time round, looking at, uh, putting the club on the market and, and um, they 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 got very close I think in those negotiations barring the fact they didn't have the money I mean so uh, Roman had told them to come back when they did have the money so the fact they came back with um uh, with Griffin who, had, who, who who sort of worth 20 billion um clearly they'd managed to get to a position where they felt they could tick that box so yeah because I was with Paul um you know i I Paul asked that I could attend the meeting with him and um I think the one thing that struck me more than anything was the amount of respect that Tom Rickett showed for Paul. Um, we, we, we met him in the Paul Cannibal Suite. So, um, you know, Paul took him through his history, you know, some of the stuff that's there on the wall um, and also talked about the importance um, that, that we placed on the continuing fight to tackle racism because it's certainly not a problem that's gone away. Um, and, uh, and, and and we wanted to know there. Their thoughts on diversity and, uh, and inclusion. But, Paul, you were, you were quite impressed with Tom Ricketts, wasn't
1: you? I, I was, um, and don't get me wrong, yes, by what the fans um, were echoing regarding his family with the racism remarks that were made, the father and the, his brother. But Mr oh. Ricketts, um, he isn't like that. As far as I felt, he's not like that and so therefore we should listen to a person and what he's come to do is make our club chelsea a great club um and that is what i felt from him um when he talked with the both of us um and what his ideas was for the club itself so i thought he deserved the chance and that's how i still i still felt that and i mean don't get me wrong yes the other like you mentioned consortiums that come in all showed their interests and showed exactly what, don't get me wrong, what needed to be heard. Um, I'm not saying they all tick boxes, but it, for me, obviously, everybody knows about my background and what I believe in and what needs to be sorted right at Chelsea, racism, diversity, as my colleague just mentioned. Um, and this is what we tell that we wanted to, to let them know. And what ideas they had about that, and everybody did have something, and some didn't. Um, and but Mr. Ricketts, I, I had to say, yes, showed what he believed in. Also, let's not forget in his sister. Um, what's his name? What's her name again? Um, uh, I was just, uh, I was just gonna, I was going um, I was
2: just, I was gonna come on to that, Paul,
1: because um,
2: well, I, I, I actually met Laura, uh, his sister, uh, a few days later. Um, we had a follow up meeting and uh, the fact that she was um, well, for one thing, you know, they, they'd been they'd been talk about the about homophobia. And so finding that she was in a same sex marriage, uh, that was a bit of an eye opener. Um, but she also sat on the board of the Obama Foundation um, mm-hmm. and, and, and headed up their... Um, they're one of their diversity yes. committees. So and the work they were doing in Chicago was very, very impressive. Um, and with the work that we do, and the background that I, I've actually visited Chicago, and they've got some amazing organisations out there. One in particular, Homeboy Industries, um, that's been set up to help members of the Muslim community that are coming out of jail. You know, there was a lot of detail that we got into with them that I think wasn't known to Chelsea fans per se that's at the, the outset. So. I think what, what, was, um, what was impressive and what had impressed Paul was, was you know, the change in attitude amongst the Chelsea fan base from, from back in the day when he went through what he went through, that there would be such an, uh, an, an outpouring of concern uh, because of what the Ricketts had in their history uh, from a family perspective. Yeah. But I think they went to great lengths to show to us that uh, their intents were, 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 were good for the football club and and that their intentions were 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 strong in terms of um, community outreach and building on on the work of the Chelsea Foundation. In fact, taking it to another level. So that was really really quite um, quite telling. You asked what we thought about the Bowley bid. We did think the Bowley bid was the best bid. We both uh, both made that clear. Both of us came out and talked oh. about that. Um, and, um, and 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 also um, John Terry. Actually, set up a, a conversation with Paglukia. Uh, so John Terry had called Paul and got his permission to give Paglukia his number. Um, so they had a telephone conversation for thirty or forty minutes, which, you know, the guy had uh, again, you know, impressed that he had really good intentions. Um, and then, and then also um, the younger Broughton uh, met with met with Paul, um, and that one didn't go particularly well because he talked in terms of. Tackling diversity by bringing Lewis Hamilton and Serena Williams in. Now we we, we we've said what we said about that. <laughs> Paul made his made his feelings clear, um, albeit you know, big fan of Lewis as a Formula One driver, and big fan of Serena uh, as a tennis player. Um, but you know, they have their own football clubs, and um, you know, in terms of diversity, there are oh. programs already in play. And Paul, as an ambassador, is is tackling that kind of work already. So we weren't really sure what it was Lewis Hamilton was going to be bringing to the table. Um, but So let's talk about Bowley in particular. Although, uh, yeah, Bowley, uh, diff- I mean, absolutely understands sports marketing. He's really, really passionate about sports teams. His, his track record with what he's done with the Dodgers is, is, is absolutely first class. But in terms of a new world and a new way of going forward, we, we all as Chelsea fans loved what Roman Abramovich brought to this club but we're never going to find another Roman Abramovich. And that's, that's the fact. That's the truth. We have to be more grown up in terms of the way we do our business in the transfer market, in terms of player salaries, in terms of the full construct of the way we bring players through from the academy, the way we identify players based on data, proven ability, how they'll fit into the team. There's been a lot of talk, obviously, about the, um, the fact that a hedge fund is involved. But the fact that we have this locked-in 10-year deal where they can't be selling, they can't be selling their shares, they can't be selling the club on, they can't really be doing anything in that period, because that's been very much the way that they've been locked in on a shareholding basis. The only way they're gonna see a return on their investment is if the club continues to be successful. So bearing in mind what he did with the Dodgers, where he went out and invested and bought the best players he could possibly buy, he paid top dollar. In salaries to outperform other clubs I think we're in really good hands but also the team around him, you know um, Brenda I'm just uh, going to
1: mention that as well there Gary because that was most impressive is really um, Dan Fickerson and Barbara who are Chelsea supporters and that's the team he's got around him yep. as well as regards to Todd what I did like of most interest wasn't just about yes diversity and so forth it was that he liked the looks of ex-players, the involvement more of ex-players at a club. And that in itself impressed me because, yes, I feel say that the ex-players need to be more involved at, at Chelsea. So that's something hopefully that he'll look at. Um, but yeah, um, it's as he said, it's not sorted out yet. It's still a lot, of, a lot of pens and papers to be signed and whatever, but hopefully looking forward, ahead that we can expect and that's the holy thing because what is holding us back with all these sanctions and so forth it might be down height for every fan going especially if wasn't myself but um we can look forward ahead and I'm, I'm really i'm really really looking forward ahead with this team with todd uh and i hope they yeah, they really do their, their best in making this a better great club
0: yeah, exactly. I think all of the things you've said there are really interesting from both of you. I mean, first of it's fantastic to hear that Tom Ricketts impressed you both, really, because I know there was a lot of criticism for them, but I just think personally, like, when you've got the winning bid, as it's turned out to be, Todd Bowley's consortium that has that elite sporting project that's impressed you with so many experts in each area of the consortium, plus, you know, all the Chelsea fans on the board, and then impressing you as well with all the diversity and racism issues. Like... That shows to me that I think they've chosen the right bid, Roman, Marina, Buck. whoever was involved in all of the decision-making process, Rain as well. Um, Yeah, hopefully they've got it right, and I think, obviously, you spoke a little bit there about Sir Martin Broughton's bid. I think, for me, looking on the outset, that was always a bit confusing, Um, and I think Mm -hmm. just by bringing in Lewis Hamilton and Serena Williams, like, that doesn't really cover you. It it kind of felt like they were just trying to cover that, you know, aspect, oh, look, we'll bring these guys in, don't worry, that covers that bit, like, I don't know. It just didn't really seem the greatest of bids. Did um did any of you get a chance to talk to to Jim Ratcliffe or or Ineos as well? Because I know they came in with with a last minute sort of bid, and I think it was kind of like Roman Abramovich vibes. You know, looked like he was he was the big guy with the money. He was the solo owner. Um, could have been the same sort of story. You know, he comes in, takes control, wipes everyone out of the water. What did you What did you think of that, Max?
2: I've got an I've got an exclusive for you. Um, I've got an exclusive piece of news for you, we're, we're, we're going to be working with Ineos going forward. Um, oh, yeah, really? when, I say, when I say we, the Paul Cannibal Foundation and the Hope Collective, which the Paul Cannibal Foundation is part of, uh, and Paul is a leading ambassador for, um, which led him to Downing Street and meetings with Boris Johnson and the Cabinet last year. So we're going to be working with them. We were really impressed with their community yeah. outreach work.
1: Oh, unbelievable. So-
2: the stuff they're doing there, and so we, we told them quite clearly. We met them on the day that uh, that, that Bowley's bid was given the green light, effectively, and so mm-hmm. we just talked very candidly about the fact they'd come to the party too late. They explained why that was.
1: They explained mm-hmm.
2: that from the outset um, things were a bit messy. The guidelines weren't particularly clear when they first were looking at the at the bid. Um, when uh, even before uh, Roman got sanctioned, and then when he did get sanctioned. They just felt that things were all over the place. There was like 300 parties. They, you know, they mentioned the can, they mentioned Nick Candies for one, uh, which didn't really stack up, but was getting lots of publicity. Um, and so they held back a bit. And then Jim Ratcliffe decided he did want to buy the club, but they came in too late. Um, but very, very interesting organization. Um, yeah. And As I say, you know, they've shown their true commitment to community outreach by saying, well, actually, we want to work with Paul Canneville anyway. Um, and so that it's more important to us right now to have Paul in the building and to hear about the work you guys are doing to tackle poverty and inequality across the UK, so the exclusive you're getting today, my friend, is that uh, we're going to be working with INEOS going forward, um, and, and that's quite exciting for us.
0: That is very exciting, that's good to hear as well, I mean, I, I didn't know much about Sir Jim Ratcliffe and INEOS, but yeah, great exclusive there, and and One for all the listeners to to digest and and get into as well um yeah hopefully they will they will do some really good work with you guys and just touching on that before we move on to um, to the next topic so obviously paul you have the paul carnival foundation where can we find more information and and how can we support it do you want to talk a little bit about that because i've seen your Um, website on it as well it's it's really good stuff
1: don't get me wrong and this was formed obviously for the start when i came back to chelsea in 2004 um, then went on to be a TNA teacher assistant at primary school. From there, I had to leave obviously because of my illness. Um, but that's when it started for me that, you know what, I enjoy what I'm doing in regards of um, motivating our youth, you know, motivating the kids. Um, inspir- inspiring them, to be honest, that I wanted to start up called kind of a foundation which formed in 2015, don't get me wrong. It's obviously setting it up, getting around the right people and colleagues like myself, like Gary, um, that helps. It's a great advantage. Um, What we do, what I do, I enjoy going around to universities, college and talking about my life, about my history, about football, about other aspects um, of how difficult it may be, poverty and so forth. Um, in regards to thats that I've been getting through to those. And that's been really interesting because me, I thought from when I talk, <laughs> nobody would listen, but they have been. And that's where we are. We're trying to motivate and move kids forward into a better life. For them, the resilience, because I've been knocked down so many times and I refuse to stay down to get up. And that's what I believe in this life here in society. We have to keep getting up with how many knockdowns we see, um, And these youngsters need to know that because they've got to believe in themselves. And this is where the foundation's about. Um, we're looking at so many projects. And not just that. We have the events on Black History Month where we've had two events down at Under the Bridge, um, which has been great with ex Chelsea black players. And their stories have been unbelievable for the fans that have come there and listened. So we're hopefully looking for a a big one for this year, won't say who we might have. <laughs> I leave that with Gary, <laughs> the organiser of that. But um, um, yeah, uh, tribulation that it's been picking up and it's something that i love to be working with any organisation with regards to that, that's Chelsea as well. So hopefully this yeah, this season, we'll do a lot more with my school outings, um, programme that will be going out. But um, look on it, it's www. Foundation.co.uk. anybody please don't get me wrong it is with any foundation any charity how difficult it is funding and don't get me wrong when you have to apply for it and so forth it's so so difficult but yes if anybody likes to donate please do get in touch um you know i mean your donation will be taken in most definitely with kindness
0: yeah fantastic to hear like all the work you're doing going around to schools and universities colleges like that's going to inspire so many kids and and i think yeah that's that's really really good work as you said there like how many times you've been knocked down had to get back up like i'm sure as well some young kids have 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 been you know challenged maybe don't have the best upbringing maybe don't have the best life and i think that's um that's really really good and, and powerful stuff that you're doing there so Keep that up, Paul. And uh, just one, you, more, one more question on sort of the, the, the whole racism topic and the Premier League in general. Mm. Um, Matt Carter sends me a question in here. In overall terms of the Premier League, how has the league done in condemning racism over the last five to 10 years? Are you seeing significant improvement or is it mostly empty promises and peacocking? And he puts in brackets, taking a knee pre-kickoff an example. Appreciate you.
1: Um, i say my little piece, I'm sure Gary get into that, but because, I find that we always say or develop, and I'm looking at the FA, looking at Premiership, like resorting and we're saying we're gonna do something, but I ain't seen the action. And that's always happening in these days when, yeah, it's like repairs, complaints. I've got, I've got complaints with my repairs. They say the right thing, but I don't see the action. And that is what I'm seeing right now with regards to racism here in football. And don't get me wrong, I, we can talk football, and we know I know about that, but it's just in society itself. But in football, I think there's so much more can be done, and that's led down to me not just organizations like to kick it out and record, but yes, the FA and the Premiership need to develop something strong you know, right now. That it needs to kick in immediately, Gary.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, Max, I, I, <clears throat> my, my work in, in, in helping supporting Paul. Uh, it comes very much out of, I ran the Dumbledore Taylor Trust for nearly 10 years, and I ran a parliamentary commission into the, youth, the root causes of violence impacting young people, and I now run a project called The Hope Collective, which I mentioned earlier, um, is, is probably the biggest uh, coalition ever in the UK for tackling poverty and inequality. Racism is a huge, huge problem still in society in the UK, and um, it's not a football issue. And, and I think that, that's where we really need to see football recognise its responsibility because if football was demobilised properly, it can play a much bigger role as a societal force for good. When it tries to be insular and say, we'll deal with it as a football issue, it's not, it's not relative to the, to, the, to, the, to the reality of the problem because young people or older people, whoever, people don't come to football matches, non-racist, turn into a racist for 90 minutes and then go home and not be racist again. Mm. That, this, that isn't, that isn't the model. Um, sure. So we have a big, big problem in the UK and that we need to have more open candid conversations about Brexit. And when I say that it's because, you know, firstly we saw that, you know, Paul actually mentioned in a tweet that uh, Jim Ratcliffe had been a big backer of Brexit. And that's one of the things we, we spoke very candidly with his team about because, the reality with brexit is that kick it out in 2016 or 20 2018 rather they did a uh, they did a piece of research and it showed that around 48% of incidents of racism back in stadiums they felt were totally indicative to brexit and the fact that brexit had been very anti immigrant so it's not a question of saying that everybody that voted brexit is 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 racist not that we've never said that nobody says that but, but there is a saying that says that it, it, it's not a question of everybody that voted uh, for Brexit is, is, is racist, but every racist voted for Brexit. Brexit was heavily skewed towards an anti-immigration narrative. It was hugely xenophobic. So the realities are, in, in actually recorded hate crime across the country by the Met Police, there's a 75% rise, uh, actually much higher than what we've seen in football stadiums. So all we're saying is, there's a conversation that needs to be had. When Paul mentioned the B word in relation to, um, to to Jim Ratcliffe, he got 250 abusive messages dropped into his Twitter account that we had to just block. We didn't make a big song and dance about it because it was actually very upsetting to him. Um, the Chelsea Football Club wanted to investigate. There was no point going down that route. We just blocked them and got on with life. But Brexit does trigger a lot of people on either side of the di- of the divide. So... It's a conversation that needs to be had. If we're gonna bring this country back together, we need honest conversations. And and there's one that needs to be had about racism coming back into football, coming back into society. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to make it such a big part of the conversation with the new owners. And we certainly look forward to working with the new management going into next season in putting together even stronger anti-racism campaigns.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think um, from everything you were saying about like Todd Bowley earlier, you guys think that he will 100% be like that guy, his consortium will be, you know, powerful on this stuff and, and, and try and make a real change as much as he can?
1: I feel so. I yeah. feel so. It would definitely look like he's got the team around him that knows exactly the history at Chelsea, not just at Chelsea, sorry. But dealing with the club, we'll be looking at that most definitely.
0: Okay, that's great to hear. Um, So, yeah, again, guys, if you want to know any more about Paul Carnival's foundation, obviously interact with him on Twitter as well. If you want to, no, know, any more questions or, or just talk to him on a personal level, please do that. Um, and obviously, Paul Carnival's Foundation website link will be down in the description of this episode. So anyway, let's talk about Chelsea, because obviously that is why <laughs> well, the club we all love. So obviously the player of the season vote is coming out soon um, or has been coming out. Um, and obviously the announcement, I think, for the winner is on Sunday, I believe. So I want to ask both for you guys. Uh, we'll start off with Paul. Your Chelsea player of the season and if you had to pick a top three, who would they be?
1: Wow, top three. Um, as much as uh, injuries as well. Um, definitely, which we all know and sorry to see him go, but definitely Rüdiger would be up there. Um, he gives the fully 110% in the game that, is, you know what I mean, the needed as a leader, most definitely. Um I love Reese. I love what he's been doing. And now he looks so accomplished. Uh, an unbelievable player, which now he just poses with it, looks with ease his position as a, a right wing back. Um the third, ooh, it's a difficult one. Difficult one. But um silver. I'll give a of silver to be honest. Um the guy is still legs and still reads the game well and still gives all he can he can. So it's gonna be a tough one out of those three. I I would have thought. Um yeah, be I look forward to hearing the results on Sunday, to be honest. Um, yeah. As such, you know, it's Chelsea, so it's a tough one. Tough one.
0: Yeah, I, I do agree with those shouts. to be fair. Oh, some some very good players this season. Obviously, we haven't had the um best of seasons of everything going on around the club but yeah there's definitely mm-hmm. been some good performance so Gary what's your top three and who's your well, overall a, winner
2: I'm really surprised that Paul didn't go for the obvious choice there's only one winner our player of the season is definitely Romelu Lukaku um, his uh, you know his performances um, at, you know he did more Big Macs this season than anybody um,
1: he's, Don't make me he's start.
2: been in more pubs no no <laughs> but, I'm, okay, look, I'm joking. I, I love, I love Robert. Lugget. I was so excited when he came back. We need to get to the bottom of what's gone wrong. And, and quite frankly, the weight, by the way, is a huge issue. It's not something you can hide from when it's so obvious. When he came to us at the start of the season, he was a lean machine. He looked hungry. He scored against Arsenal on his debut. He put in two fantastic goals, um, you know, at, uh, against, against Villa. And, and we were all like, wow, this is the this is This is the, the heir to Drogba we always saw him at. And then, you know, there wasn't just that interview, there was a drop of form. And, you know, we went through a period, he got injured and he put on too much weight. And it was just so obvious. So I don't think we're going to offload him too easily. He isn't my player of the year. I'm joking. My player of the year is Silver. Uh, I totally agree with Paul on that one. Um, my my, my, my runner up would be Mason. Um, I mean, Mason has just missed the consistency. He also went through a, a bit of a lack in form. He's 23 years old and he's already, a, 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 I think, a world-class player. Um, I think he'll be a lot better if we get Declan Rice alongside him. Um, but um, my third place would be would be Reese James as well. So the only one I'm disagreeing with Paul on is, uh, is, is I, I'd have Mason Mount instead of Rudiger. But let's get Drogba in next season as striker coach to Lukaku, let's get Lukaku training right through pre-season. He doesn't deserve a pre-season because he's too bloody fat, right? So let's deal with that. And um, and I think he can be firing. He, he's a great player. You but know Roman
1: what, i that nobody had looked at over that that weightness. I'm sorry, at a club like Chelsea and how it is formed and it's run, they would have noticed that Physios would have noticed that you have put on weight. Now we need to work off and take some of that off, like, oh, which happens to be if you have to do that extra training and take off, you've got to do that. But why didn't anybody do that? I'm sorry. Uh, something was going definitely wrong there. Um, whether he was having um, player power or what, I don't know. I'd hate to say that, but no, nah. uh, nothing can be excused for that. They, it, I'm not blaming the club, but. But when I, was, I put it was, on weight, I, think it was, I knew it was that visible. I my movement was terrible. It was, it, it was so visible, <laughs> that visual, that everybody could see, oh, seriously, is he? How has he been picked with that weight on? I'm sorry, if you as a player didn't know that you're overweight, I knew right away that I, oh, because my movement, when I knew by the two yards, I was gone. That player couldn't catch me. But once the players were behind my shoulder, I knew something's not right here. Paul, put the old dustbin bags on. Sweat this off. <laughs> right? Look, yeah, that's how it was. We didn't have those utensils that they have the, the training system that they have at Chelsea. It was a dustbin bag. Do a couple of runs. Sweat that right off. And trust me, it worked. <laughs> so that's I'm really sorry. Bad. You know what I mean? If they ain't going to see that nah, something's wrong there. And if that's the case, if we we're not got loads. We've got rid of loading him, offloading him. Then that's what he's got to look at. Preaching, he's got to put that in and take off whether just two stones or you know what I mean, a couple of a few pounds. That's what he's got to do for next season.
0: Hundred percent agree. I mean, I'm a big fan of Lukaku, but yeah, it's just. It's, it's the thing, is as well, like when he came in in the summer, I was just like, you can't get more of a guaranteed signing in terms of goals because we sign players from other leagues sometimes. And it's just like Lukaku mm. had done it in the Premier League, he scored over 100 Premier League goals. Like, I was just, I honestly thought it'd be the missing piece of the puzzle. And obviously, he had the interview thing that I think has derailed his season personally as well. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he ever really recovered from that. I mean, a lot of the fans, mm. um, still love him because they do sing his song. And I, I, I just hope that. I hope that he does get a pre-season, but who knows? I mean, if, if he's unhappy, if he wants to go back to Italy, I, like I say, if anyone in the squad is unhappy... It. Yeah, you, you, you can't, can't stop it. Man. You have yeah, to you go at that point, so... There you it, go, you know
1: yeah. what I mean? His it, heart's not there, and if his heart's not there yeah. in the club, then you've got to release that, I'm sorry, because that, that's, that's, that's a thorn, you know what I mean? We've got to get that play in right now. We can't afford to not have that striker. I believe that we need the striker. I was just talking about strikers. The last two, yes, you mentioned Didier Drogba. Then you mentioned Costa. Oh, my God. There's much trouble. I love when Costa was playing. He was a ball in the ring. He got in the box. He could hold the ball. He can head up. And that's the player we need at Chelsea, as well as the way that we play our football. Someone that the ball can be flighted in the box early and we've got a striker on top of it. It definitely needs to be coming next season. So we'll have to look out for that. Of, as touch, we'll probably be doing that, that at the moment, at this moment.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. I love Costa as well. Uh, another fine question we've got for you, Paul, is from Kevry Brock. Mm. He says, Who is one player from the current Chelsea squad that you would have loved to play with?
1: Love to. Ooh, current. From which current? The, my current team or no, the no. current players now? This, this current <laughs> team. Um, the current with. team, I'll tell you what. Wow. I'll tell you what, if I, he'd have to come over myself, I'd have to go over to his right wing. Reese, James, the yeah. way we combinate that, going down that line, uh, imagine. he overlapping me, me sitting in thing, I'm overlapping down the line, he needs to me balls. I'll tell you, what a combination, the two of us. Nobody have get past us down that right. I'm telling you that now, the way we were. The way I was, nah, nobody. We'd be reading each other. It was so difficult. But yeah, a player like that, I definitely would love behind
0: me. Yeah, that um, the ball as well last night that he played, like someone just feeding those passes oh, to you. Fantastic. He, he's so good. That's I love what I'm
1: talking about. Those boards are precise. I've never seen a person ping a ball. In, and that's why I'm saying when a person can ping a ball like that in the box, what more do we need? We need a striker on top of that. That's all we need. He'll put those balls in every time. At least one out of three. Go sir.
0: Yeah, I think the next question can probably go to both of you, but it's directed at Paul. It's from Aranyak. Um, He says, Hi, Paul, three questions for me. And I know you've actually replied mm-hmm. underneath this, but you can go in a bit more detail if you want. It says, yeah. Hi, Paul, three questions for me. Firstly, which profile of player do you think we need the most in the summer? Second, which player do you think will step up next season and who do you think is taking the armband if Aspilaqueta leaves because obviously he's rumoured to leave to Barcelona
1: very very good question I'll tell you what now um
0: you've already tweeted this answer remember Mr
1: Cannaville (laughs) (laughs) I might be I might be changing that right now you know what we do need well I say that and I hope Lucas gets the charts again, but we do need a striker, most definitely. I do see that we need a centre half. I can only see that what Silver can do if he can still give another season. But um, I'd like to say that our low knees, to be honest, that are having rave reports to come back, the likes of um, Levi Cowell down at Huddersfield. And he's just been named best young player in the world of football. And that's a testament of his ability at this moment. Um, I know we mentioned Rice Declan Rice, but the like young boy Conor Gallatin, he has been doing oh, so much so well down at Crystal Palace. What these guys deserve a chance, you know what I mean? So, um, a lot to look forward to next season. I think I'd, I'd hate to be the manager because he's got a headache right now. He has a headache right now because you, as you said, those players that have been at Asti, um, Alonso. Um, yeah, might be looking to move on. Uh, might be looking to be replaced as such. But yeah, I'd say the manager's got a headache for this season.
0: Yeah, and you originally tweeted that um, Declan Rice would be one of your main targets. And Aranyak said... Definitely. Because you also said that he uh, should be Chelsea captain, you think. Uh, he should take over. Mm. So he wants to know your, you, well, he would love to know your in-depth thoughts and reasoning over picking rice over someone like a Reese or a Mount or even a Silver for a season? I'd say
1: Declan there. He's so grown, to be honest. Uh, and the man demands, yeah, from every player. You can see that at West Ham. And this boy, he wants to come back to Chelsea. This lad wants to come back to Chelsea. So hopefully... That um, everything can be sorted out with our chairman and so forth. That that he, they can back the manager, but and let him go and get that Declan Rice. A league in itself. We've seen how he performs at West Ham we see how He performs for England as well. Um, why not? As Gary just mentioned, the two of them together. Um, that'd be unbelievable. Mount and Declan in the middle. I'm get me wrong. No disrespect to county. We've got these young players that are coming through now and need to be given a chance. So, um, yeah, why not armband to Declan Rice if he comes, if he's allowed, if you can get him, most definitely here. Yeah. Um, see a next mm, armband. Armband. I love Silver, don't get me wrong, but will Silver be there throughout the whole of the season? That's the next thing. The guy's done great. You know what I mean? Respect you. He's 30, if I'm right, 35 or 36, and he's still going. If it's thirty-four, one of the two. Um, but legs are the only carry for so much, you know what I mean? So two games on, few games off. We need somebody permanently that's regular, that's gonna be leading the side. Um, hopefully, that will be. Well, as I mentioned, let's see how that um, performs. Let's look at that window.
0: Yeah, he's actually 37 years old, Paul, which yeah. is just wow, is, 37. Is it? it's and incredible.
1: Still, wow, wow, <laughs> sorry. And I put, 36. Jesus, that is incredible still for the premiership as well. And you know, if I don't, if anybody doesn't know out there, it's not an easy The, the amount of games they have now involved in just Champions League, FA Cup, League Cup, Melbourne. You you know what I'm talking about? There's so many games. And man, like 37 years old, still performing. That is,
2: you know what? I'm. Not, I can see Paul's surprise match because Paul's only 36.
1: So mm. like that's a you know. He's and I'm a years. <laughs> 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 I'm, telling you, I'm telling you that doing training as well. You, don't get me wrong. I love when I was training every day of the week, Monday to Friday, and play your game on Saturday. But you're doing that and still giving the 90 minutes. Yeah, non stop, constantly, and having at thirty-seven years old, you've either got to be eating well, looking after the body well, having the rest when you need the rest. You've got to have the proper physio that's looking after you as well. If that 24 twenty-four-seven, if that's not his wife, then all the very best. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, well done to him. Well done. When
2: we you. talk about when we talk about statement signings, there is going to be a statement signing. You know, that's Bowley's, that's part of Bowley's credentials. And I think he's made that really clear. So I believe that the, the state, I believe the signing they want is Declan Rice. Um, I know Declan Rice is not going to sign another West Ham contract. Uh, he seems to divide our fan base on Twitter. I find that quite amazing. Uh, he has galvanized uh, the West Ham team. Uh, he's the driving influence of that team. He would be John Terry's first choice uh, as captain. And I don't think we've had a captain since John Terry. I think leadership on the field has been lacking, certainly this season. Um, Dave is a great club servant, and he's been a phenomenal performer. Is he a man man motivator? Does he pick things up when things are going against us? I don't think he's that kind of leader on the field. So I believe Declan Rice is the statement signing they want to make. Um, I believe then the improved player next year will be Mason. I think Mason's got another two or three levels to go up. He's, Mason's going to be one of the best players in the world. Um, and I think he would, uh, he would choose Declan as the captain if, if Declan does come back. Um, I'm going to throw in a wild card in terms of signings because um, we do need some forward power. Um, and I think they're going to look a lot at stats and data. And I think there's an ex-Chelsea player out there who left us and went to Liverpool for 10 million. Didn't quite work out for him there. He scored over thirty goals for Bournemouth this year, helped them get promoted. And that's Dominic Solanke, and I think Dominic Solanke's got something about him, um, and he's finally started to hit the peak of his game with Bournemouth last year. So uh, that could be a surprise one.
0: Mm, definitely interesting. Um, I think Chelsea as well. There's a lot of talk about, I believe, Darwin Nunez, who plays for Benfica. He scored a lot of goals this season. Um, yeah, not not sure what sort of areas Chelsea would target because I. I I spoke to Ben Jacobs as well, who's a journalist. He's got a lot of contacts with Todd Bowley's team and and things like that. And he said, look, in terms of like Marina and Bruce Buck, a lot of the targets this summer will be ones that they've already had on their radar. And then maybe you'll see a different sort of structure coming through um, January and onwards, because obviously they want to at least see Marina and Buck for a transition period, is what he was saying. So, I mean, we'll see. I know Marina's future has not been... Um, ultimately decided, just on Marino and Bruce Park, what, what do you guys think of them? Do you think that Chelsea need a, a sort of director of football as such, someone like a Paul Mitchell um, to, to kind of work closely with Thomas Tuchel? Or do, you, do you think Marino is good enough to to get to where um, Tuchel sees the team and where ultimately you guys probably see the team and what everyone where everyone sees the team is champions again, uh, Premier League champions.
2: Canna's is going really to be biased. So I'll leave, leave Canners clothes on this because he's biased because <laughs> he's mates uh, with that, you know, He hangs out with them. He, you know, he's, one of, he's one of their <laughs> crew. I, personally, I'm like a lot of Chelsea fans, I think. We need a new management structure. We've not been a particularly well-run club. The idea that Chelsea is a great-run club is a fallacy. Um, we've been fantastically supported by Roman Abramovich, who spent the money to bring the players in. He's had a real... Uh, cutthroat relationship with managers, which has meant that, you know, if a manager doesn't succeed, he's got to go. Um, But that hasn't been happening over the last five or six years. Uh, We did amazingly well last year to win the European Cup, but let's be fair, we've been massively underperforming in the league for three or four years now. So, and and Roman would never have suffered uh, that. He would have got rid of managers. He would have demanded that we were right at the top of the... Of uh, the Premier League, so um, now I think a clean brush, but I do understand why they're going to be given a bit of leeway to get us through this season. Because, as you pointed out, Ben Jacobs, who seems to be the most in the know journalist out there, pointed out there's not enough time. They're going to have to work with what they're going to have to work with. And again, I think because they were close with Declan maybe last year, that could still be one that we could pull off. But Canners, uh, what do you think? I know Bruce Button, you know, back to mate. So. I'm just
1: gonna quickly because I'm Roman um, but I gave, them, I gave them still respect um, and for that reason because initially for them to be well everybody knows of um, instilling the um, Paul Cannon Foundation that in itself was an honour for me and I know they, they both had the influence on in that um, so therefore I, I would give them the utmost respect, they know about the club, the history of club and still can do a job as such, so therefore, I could see the reason why he'd want Buck still there to organise in, in what's already going on. Don't get me wrong, with a different change to it with the new team, he'll obviously do that. But they I give that? I must respect him, Maria. Don't get me wrong, um, who signs those players and signs those contracts, he's a great influence as well. So yeah, as Gary said, don't get me wrong, they've got
0: my back and my
1: support. As such, um, and we would give that to them if um, they're, they're still there.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I think those are good answers as well. And just on the whole board situation and, and the board topic, a question comes in here um, from Max Omahoney. He says, Ask Paul if he will ever try to be on the Chelsea board. Would you like to?
1: So, sorry. I support Arsenal. I cannot be interested. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> Sorry,
1: you know what? Um, no, no, you know what? No and yes, but maybe for a different, because uh, I obviously my background is with regard to racism. So if I can be part of that, yes, I'd be very much interested. Being on the board, it's a difficult stance. It is about the club fully. Um, don't get me wrong, I put my two cents in there but it's a difficult one when you've got that that's 100% the board members have got to be discussing fully what's best for that club and I can only see from the outside so I don't think that's a position I'd like too much but yes, if it's to be an ambassador role that's something I would definitely look at um, as regards, so yeah, look at this, look at the window see what happens yeah,
2: and you're not um, an Arsenal fan. Can, you're
1: gonna get lots of stick now Can you just get that free? <laughs> uh, Hamilton, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm Hamilton. Don't, you know I me. Mean? I keep telling you. anybody ask me, "What's your name?" <laughs> my uh, my name's Ian Wright. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so
0: yeah, <laughs> the last question we have coming in is again based on the team this season. So each of you state your most underrated performer this season.
1: Ooh, ooh. Oh, I don't like to disrespect any any player, um, but um, I got because yeah, I wasn't too happy with some of his performances. But that doesn't make him such a bad player. But underrated. Um, Christensen, is it Christensen? Yeah. Am I correct in that? Center yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it needs to be improved a little. Um, not too comfortable in the ball. I didn't find. Um and when um when he was hit with well nice day here, when you ain't got the confidence on the pitch, it certainly showed and it showed with him when he didn't have that confidence. So I think yeah, I'd have to put my hand on that on him. What do,
0: what do you think as well about obviously we don't exactly know the inside details but Thomas Tuchel has said there's been a few occasions where this season he's kind of like pulled out of games, late on, has had to start. What, what do you think that yeah. comes down to? So I'm not you-
1: too sure because I, I heard as well and I'd like to say I'm not one to gossip. him. I'm not one to chat if I'm not too sure of the details. Um, I heard about mental health issues and such, but I don't know. So I'd really not like to say. Um, that's something that... As I said, management's got to look at, you know what I mean? Because really you want to be having every player hundred percent. And if you're not hundred percent, then he can't play. Simple as you know, whether he's lacking the injury, reckon his head not there, then he's shouldn't be playing. So if that's what's going on, they've got to look at that, most definitely.
0: Yeah, and I think obviously he's gonna be off to to Barcelona as well, which hopefully it gets Gets better for him um, if he yeah. if he does complete the move there. But uh, yeah, Gary, you wanted to say something?
2: Yeah. The, the firstly, I mean, that move is complete. He signed the contract, so he's now a Barcelona player. Um, my underrated player is uh, is Hudson Um I don't. I you know. I, I I he's never ever been given the kind of run that I think he needs. I think he's a confidence player that's going to need 15 games on the trot before we really see the best of him. Uh, under every manager he's played under he's been in and out in and out in and out stop, start, stop, start with injuries for me the boy's got an awful lot of quality that we haven't seen the best of yet and I think he could be one of the best players in the world so I have every hope and aspiration for him next season given a good pre-season coming back to full fitness um, I'm a, I am love Timo Werner I think he'll score a lot of goals in another league it's not going to happen for him in the Premier League now but um, and so I think we need a, a fit and firing hudson Adoy, but he would definitely be my most underrated player at Chelsea at the moment. Yeah, well, well, I'm, I, I'm I certainly hudson.
1: bucked up with him. Sorry, I did buck up with Hudson yesterday. of doing my hospitality duties and he's rearing to go. I said, look, I'm looking forward to you. He, Kenneth, I'm, still, I'm here, I can make sure. So I'm looking forward to for him to next season. Yeah.
0: yeah. Did, do you know any more, sort of, did you talk to him about his injury? Because I know he's been out for yeah. so long.
1: Yeah, he's sorting that out, don't get me wrong. It's been in and out, sorting that right out. But he'll be ready, hopefully, for next season. You know what I mean? that's When you catch an injury like such, it's a difficult one. You can't come back too early. If you do that, it pings again. Yeah, I'm telling you, it leaves you out longer. So you've got to get it right because this premiership, shit. These games now, um, I know we say we've got an average squad. But, like, when you're playing the amount of games, as I just mentioned, Cup, Champions League and little Cups, they all count. And I'm telling you, you can just easily ping, you know what I mean, one muscle that leads you out for another game. Look, we've got Chiwill, and look how long he's been, he's been out. And I'm looking forward to him getting back, because down the left there, I mean, he was him and Reese as wing-backs uh, supporting the front and putting those balls in the box. We've been missing that a great deal. So, um yeah, let this season, it's come out of the right time, don't get me wrong. Yes, all right, with all the sanctions and so forth. But, yeah, we now can qualify for Champions League. Let's look forward to getting all our injury players back to 100% and then we can start looking at um where Chelsea are going from there.
0: Yeah, 100%. I know a lot of fans have been wanting to... Have an update on Hudson, though. that's really good there from you, Paul. Do you, do you know what exactly the injury is? Is it his back? Is it his Achilles?
1: I believe it was hand. It was Achilles. I think it was because he suffered that from before. Yeah. And I think when he had that injury, was it uh, in America? And when the astroturf, I think they played in. I think he's stronger on like that from there. And things like that can always come back to stay. Um, it's really funny, you know, like an injury. And it could come out from, no, from nothing, but when it does, you've got to get it right. So, yeah, as you said, he look, he looked so bubbly when I saw him yesterday going out to his work. So, um, he's looking forward to next season. As you said, Gary said, does need a run out. I mean, you need to give a player a a, a little run out and not just me. Yeah, if he's not performing one or two games, you still have the confidence of giving him that run out to making him build that confidence. And when he does, we're going to see what the player we will be raving about.
0: Yeah, 100%. Really, really excited to see Hudson-Odoi next season. And uh, yeah, thank you for the updates. Um, So the last sort of question I want to put forward before we end the episode, because we have been going for a while now. So Paul and Gary, um, what would your team be against Watford? because obviously we play them on Sunday. It's the last game of the season. All the fixtures are at four o'clock. Obviously, there's the title decider between Liverpool and Man City, but we're going to be mm-hmm. focusing on Chelsea because, you know, I, I don't care what happens with those other clubs. Chelsea is the club. So, um, yeah. Um, what would your starting eleven be? Uh, I guess you can go one at a time against Watford. Start off with, with Paul or Gary, I don't mind.
1: You know what? I, I'm going to be honest. Because, yes, we to. Um, I'd like to see... Don't get me wrong, what the team would be. Um, quite happy to see the same team, same players. But if he's made some changes, it'd be good to see some young faces, some fresh faces. Um, yeah, because as far as I'm concerned, uh, we're going right back to our academy. Uh, Neil Bath, what he's done there at the academy is unbelievable. And the development of these young players coming in and performing and the same football. This is what you've got to understand, the technique of the football here at Chelsea. This is what they've all been brought to do, yeah? into to do, to play. So to see the likes of some new faces, to see them adjust and gel into the team football here at Chelsea, it'd be exciting to see. So, um, you know I mean? I, I, I'd be expecting some fresh faces, um, but I won't be shocked. Um, I look forward to it, as I said. We need to see uh, a manager that takes the role. So don't get me wrong, we've seen the same old faces. We're now in a good stead that it, it was a tough season. It has been a tough season with Chelsea. But we've come through it. We're still there for the Champions League. One of the leagues I love with Chelsea being it. Um, but yeah, I look forward to some fresh faces uh, on Saturday. So I'm worried a bit like that I am not mentioned to mention who and who. I just love to see uh, Chelsea win. That's all.
0: Yeah, because I know our home record has been very, very bad this season. I mean, we've got eight wins oh. out of eighteen matches. We've had a lot, of lot of yeah. draws. It's, it's got to improve. There you so. go.
2: Our home record yeah. has been absolutely rubbish. So I yeah. want to see, I want to see Jude Soon up there <laughs> up front. I want to see the <laughs> new boy from Charlton, um, uh, Mason Burstow, given a given a debut. Uh, I think he's going to be an absolute fantastic player. Mm. Um, myself and Paul are going to be meeting with his dad in the summer uh, with a view to Paul doing some mentoring with him uh, I want to see Charlie Webster get again. Charlie Webster's is going to be another awesome talent, Harvey Vail we know about um, it's time to have a look at Lewis Hall again uh, and also it would be really great to see Dylan Williams the young left back that we brought in from Derby, um, derby Miumba yeah. Miyamba, uh, Xavier Miumba who, who we brought in from Barcelona a couple of years ago uh, you know, quite a tall, big centre-half. Uh, uh, he's another one we could look at. So I hope we give a lot of youngsters a game. Um, but I'd also like very much to see um, to see uh, Rudiger and, and more so even Christensen given 10, 15 minutes so the club can pay homage to them. Um, we need to be saying a big thank you yeah. to Christensen. He's a kid that came through the academy. He became a European champion. He became a world champion. Um, And now he's going off to play elsewhere. I don't think the transfers were handled or the the renegotiation of their contracts were handled particularly well. It's one of the reasons I'm flabbergasted. We're talking about a 50 million bonus going to current management for the job they've done. I'm not sure how much of that is relevant to Danny Drinkwater being bought for 35 million. And looking like you'd be better off playing for Exeter City if you get in their team. So, yeah, let's put the kids out there on Sunday and let's give a uh, a send-off to the boys that are leaving because they deserve it.
0: Yeah, 100%. Really, really great way to wrap off the episode, I think, Hoping for a Chelsea win, I mean, Watford are already relegated, right? So, I mean, Chelsea, we, we have to win this game. Uh, I know it doesn't make a, a, a difference in the grand scheme of things, but end the season with a win. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing who the player of the season is and obviously the, the the manager and the team will probably be walking around the ground at the, at the end of the, at the end of the game to, to um, thank the supporters because I think the supporters even, you know, during these tough times have, have showed up to the games and, and disappointed we couldn't get more fans into the ground. But... Um, you know, based on the mm. sanctions and the ticket sales and all that nonsense, but um, yeah, just looking forward to next season and um, yeah, thank you too so much for, for coming on this episode. i like to
1: say sorry, to get it's alright okay. um, and I'd like to say a special thank you um, to We Are The Shed and that was for their poster that they put there when it really lifted me up when I was seriously here a couple of years ago and to see it there still just puts a smile on my face and gives me such a booster um, to be involved at the club and to be notified, noticed like that. So, yeah, thank you for what I said for that. Um, I just wanted to say that anyway. Thank you.
0: Yeah, 100%. They do a lot of great stuff. I mean, they did the Tukul banner right, last night. I think a lot of people yeah, donated yeah, to that. Yeah, exactly. They've yes, got a brilliant. they've got a special one coming on Sunday, I think, as well with a, a lot of the old players and, and Tuchel and everything on it. It's like uh, a display. So, yeah, you're going to see that on that. Sunday. Um. So yeah, mm. uh, Gary, thank you for coming on as well. I really enjoyed your insight, especially into the the consortium and, and different things like that.
2: Yeah. Well, Max, thanks for having us. This I'll leave you with. Uh, I'll leave you one thought. We we swapped messages on this the other day, and it's something that all influencers that have got a big following on social media like yourself to start thinking about. One of the very interesting things in Broughton's bid was that they were looking at what they call tokenization. Um, and tokenization of fans is not tokenization as we understand it. It's definitely a, a very interesting way forward where social media influencers and fans of the club across social media platforms can actually be a really, really valuable asset for the club's brand. Uh, they did a, They've done a lot with Juventus, they've done a lot with other clubs, and it's going to be a big thing. You hear about the metaverse and uh, the amount of investment that's now going into social media platforms. Fan bases are going to play a big part in the brand maximisation. So uh, Chelsea have actually probably got a greater brand influence. I know we do a lot of bickering. There's a lot of nonsense goes on with it. But the more we can pull the fan base together online, the better it will be for the club because it will be benefit to us in the future. One to think about
0: yeah great way to round off the episode so guys think about that as well think about what you can do to obviously um influence things as well it doesn't matter what following you've got we all have a voice you all have an opinion so um yeah it's a really really great way to wrap off but um yeah thank you to again for for coming on to this episode we'll be back soon with another episode perhaps something more transfer based because i know the window is coming up so We all love to listen to those transfer window episodes. So I'm going to see who I can get on for that. Um, But yeah, thank you once again for coming on. And thank you for listening as always. We will see you in the next one. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Max.